Chapter Eleven of The Quiet Flame by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Plot. It is simply beautiful the devotion of that girl for her mother. Sister Leopoldina watched Achaian as she helped her mother across the yard to a bench where she seated the old lady carefully. Alden's case was much more advanced than that of her daughter. In fact, a casual glance at the graceful young girl disclosed no trace of illness. That is one of the things I admire most about the Chinese, Mother Mary Ann answered. Their religion teaches respect for age, and particularly for parents and grandparents, and I've never seen a young person fail to observe the teaching. Both nuns looked thoughtful. They were wishing, no doubt, that members of other faiths were equally careful about following their rules. Akayan made her mother as comfortable as she could. Then, bowing respectfully, she turned to start working in the garden. Plants grew rapidly in that warm spot, and already nature had repaired most of the damage done by the devil's storm. More little trees had been brought down from the hills, and Mother Mary Ann had written to friends asking for saplings and seeds. Bishop home, she was determined, would become a beauty spot. The weather and many of the girls helped in her plan. Mother went about her duties, and they were many to housekeeping, supervising the school, keeping in touch with Honolulu and Maui, now assistance to Mr. Dutton had been added. Not all the lepers of Molokai were Catholics by any means, but there were many, and teaching catechism to those who were had largely devolved on the sisters. Now a new problem was bothering Mother Mary Ann. Akayan and her mother had been in the colony only a few days when her grace and charm caught the eye and heart of a young Chinese man. He wanted to marry her. Old Ah Lin had not much longer to live, but the young man promised that she should have the best of care while she stayed. The young suitor was well off, but that was the trouble. His income was made by the sale of opium and liquor and from gambling games run in his home. Mother Mary Ann sighed deeply. I don't, of course, have the power to forbid the marriage, she reminded herself, although Ah Kayen would heed me to some extent. But, she wondered, would it not be better for the girl to have a home and a devoted husband than to live out a lonely, frustrated life in the bishop home? The young man, despite his way of earning a living, seemed good enough. But the men who came to his place, they were something quite different. But the girl and her mother both wanted the marriage, so the wedding took place. Akayan was mistress of the little house, and Ah Lin was treated like a queen. The young husband kept his family quite apart from the business, and his wife had only the most glowing reports of his kindness when she came to call on the sisters and her friends among the girls. The visits were frequent and joyous. She hurried to report on each small culinary triumph to show each little gift she received. It encouraged the girls to see one of their numbers so well established. She does seem very content, said Mother Mary Ann. Sister agreed. Then, for no seeming reason, Akayan's visits grew less frequent, and when she came she was no longer joyous. Something, it was evident, weighed on her mind. One afternoon Mother Mary Ann drove over to Kalawao to consult with Mr. Dutton on some of his problems. There had been serious disorders among the men since Father Damien's death, and, though things had quieted down, it took constant effort to keep them so. Mother had hardly gone when Akayan appeared. Mother isn't here. She'll be sorry to have missed you, said Sister Leopoldina, but the girls will enjoy a visit. I didn't come to see Mother, nor to see the girls, said Akayan soberly. I want to talk with you. 
there is something rather frightening in the girl's voice come let's sit down on the veranda sister suggested no i can't stay but a few minutes i have come to tell you something then i must hurry back she hesitated gulped and then the story rushed out some days ago a party came to play cards with my husband nakipai was with them oh oh sister knew nakipai as a dangerous troublemaker whenever nakipai and his crowd come to gamble at my house my husband tells me to go spend the evening with my friends he thinks it is not good i should be home when that crowd is there for that much let's be grateful sister thought i had a feeling that they were up to no good akayan continued so instead of going calling i crept up outside the house i crouched under the window of the room where they were drinking and gambling it was awful sister waited wondering Nakipai said that Mother Mary Ann was making things bad for the men on the island. She was spoiling everything for those who wanted to enjoy themselves, and she encouraged the priests and brothers at Kalawao to do the same. And? Sister was now full of apprehension. She could hardly wait for the girl to catch her breath. Nakipai says if anyone is to be happy here, drinking, gambling, opium smoking, he means, if anyone is to be happy, Mother must be killed sister gasped as if she had been struck it was worse even than she had imagined your husband she asked oh no my husband does not like the plan at all he has no part in it but that dreadful plot was made in his house and if anything happens he will be in trouble oh sister he is so good to my mother and me sister tried to think what might be done but she couldn't her mind was churning full of half-formed plans and incomplete thoughts what can we do she asked helplessly i have done it akayan said serenely i wanted you to know but don't tell mother she has worries enough what have you done i have told the girls they are all prepared prepared for what prepared for three nights from now i heard nakipai said at twelve o'clock the next night the moon is dark we will go that is three nights from now what do they plan they are not to meet at our house they will come one by one and hide themselves in the grounds here at midnight nakipai will knock on the door when mother opens it they will seize and gag her so she can't scream and carry her away before anyone can see them and know who they are but mother will know sister protested mother will soon be dead akayan explained tersely she paused a moment then turning to go she added an encouraging sentence but do not worry sister and do not tell mother the girls all love her they will take care of everything sister did not tell mother although she was not sure about the propriety of her act but akayan had spoken with such certainty in times past when wars between the islanders were common women had fought alongside their men they were equally skilful with knife and spear and exalted in battle just as their men did mother mary ann during the next few days was vaguely aware of unusual activities among the girls what are you doing with that meat cleaver she asked of one fixing it so it will chop better was the answer later she saw a girl honing a carving knife on a stone in the yard the knife is dull the girl explained the thought crossed mother's mind that it was odd that every cutting or chopping tool in the place had lost its edge at the same time but she supposed such things happened 
and she had many things on her mind. Sister Leopoldina was unaware of what the girl's plan was. The girls retired as usual on the night when the moon was dark, but shortly after eleven they climbed stealthily from their beds. As silent as shadows they stole out of the house and took up their appointed stations around the convent. They did not make any effort to conceal themselves from anyone who might approach. Shortly before twelve the first Nakipai's men arrived. Although there was no moon, the sky was filled with stars which sent down a glow. The men were startled to see the glow reflected from a heavy knife held by a determined woman. Bewildered, they ducked behind some bushes and crawled to the back of the house, where other men were to await them. There the female sentry was armed with a meat cleaver. A group of men falling on a single, defenseless nun was one thing. Facing a furious group of armed women was another. Consultation was needed. The early arrivals withdrew down the road and stopped their fellows from blundering into trouble. One or two, who could not believe that their plot had been uncovered, stole up to take a look for themselves. They were convinced, and shaken, when they rejoined the crowd. And being discreet, they decided that the kidnapping of Mother Mary Ann had better be abandoned. Shortly before dawn the girls returned their weapons to their proper places. They were asleep in their beds when morning came. Sister Leopoldina smiled happily when she awakened them. "'Well, we had no trouble last night, did we?' she asked. "'Did you expect trouble, sister?' "'No.' Sister was not sure how much she was supposed to know about the plot. Anyway, we didn't have any. The girls agreed, and Mother Mary Ann had no clue as to why some of them seemed particularly tired that day. The days passed. Mother Mary Ann's work grew heavier. She remembered her promise to Father Damien that she would help with his boys, but the trip from Bishop home to Kalawao was a long and wearying one. The Board of Health supplied her with a horse and wagon to commute in. After a struggle for mastery between the half-trained horse and the man who drove, travel between the settlements was easier. Mother washed and dressed the sores of the sick, prepared their medicine, and taught them how and when to take it. She appointed sisters to help Mr. Dutton in teaching the leper boys, and she won the affection of most of the people who knew her. The passage of the years could be read in the trees around the bishop home. They were tall and beautiful now, casting a gracious shade in the heat of the day and protecting buildings and grounds when the winds came. With her own hands, Mother Mary Ann had gathered rocks and stones to fill holes in the road and to construct walks. "'You'll kill yourself, Mother, if you work so hard,' friends protested. "'No, I won't,' Mother assured them. "'And when I do die, there will be others to take my place.' I didn't come here to be idle. Idle she certainly was not. Her long, busy days started before sunrise. They continued until one the next morning. Her increasing paperwork could be done only after all those under her care had gone to sleep. King Kalakua died in January 1891. His heartbroken widow left the palace never to return. In the going of Queen Kapiolani, Mother Mary Ann and her charges lost a kind and devoted friend. The sister of the late king ascended the throne, as Queen Liliokalani. She brought political upheaval with her. End of chapter 11